0: Welcome to The Disappearing Mind, a unique podcast helping you find clarity and support along your dementia journey. Now, join National Dementia Trainer and Coach, Don Platt, for an all new episode.
1: Welcome to the podcast. Today on the podcast, guest Susan Roberts is going to join us. Uh, Susan lives in the Midwest. She is married, a mother of three daughters and the youngest child in her family growing up. Today, Susan is going to share with us about her experience with her own mother who did have Alzheimer's disease and all the things that Susan and her family went through during that time with her mom. Welcome to the podcast, Susan. Thank you, thank you for having me. Your mother was a very special person in, in your life as most of our mothers are, but. In fact, your mother was very influential on the person you are today, how you raise your own daughters, and how you live your life. So tell us um, briefly uh, something about your mom or something you'd like us to know.
0: I would say
1: that she
0: was the ultimate mom of unconditional love. She did everything for her children, she sacrificed for her children, she would do without so her children could have what they wanted, not just what they needed.
1: From our conversations, your mom took care of you, uh, your sister, your brother, and all of the grandchildren. Uh, She babysat, she prepared meals and things for you. She really made your house a home. And she was a parent, a trusted friend, and really involved in everything Uh, You did from your sporting events to school, even when you went to college, she seemed to do everything for you growing up. So what was it like growing up in the household in the Midwest with with your siblings? And tell us a little bit about that experience. Well, as you mentioned, I'm the
0: youngest of three. And so my mother worked up until the time I was born. And then at that point in time, what she would have to pay for a sitter It was just as cheap for her to stay at home, which is what she, you know, loved doing anyway, being with her kids. So it was, we lived out in the country. We rode bikes into the local town um, to get ice cream. My father worked second shift most of my life growing up. So it really was just her and us three kids We were the house that everybody wanted to come to, where all the kids would end up going, and she loved it that way.
1: That's wonderful. Um, I know that today, telling your mom's story and the things that you and your family went through was important to you. I know you want to give back to others, but tell us why today or telling your mom's story is so important to you.
0: Well, we did not realize what we had available to us um, as a family, what she had available to her through her Medicare, Medicaid, I don't recall which one it was. And I wish that we would have known that sooner. I think that if we'd known that sooner, there's a lot of things that we could have done better, a lot of help that we could have gotten her, help that we could have gotten the rest of the family. We found out through I actually saw an ad in our local newspaper that our hospital had a Alzheimer support group and I had a friend that worked at the hospital and so I called her up and asked her about it and she's like yeah it's great she gave me the director's number I called the director and she actually spoke to me for an hour on the phone that day even though it was the weekend of her daughter's wedding so I knew that she was 100% into what she was doing and really wanted to help people and so i just feel like somebody did that for us and you know, I'd love to do that for
1: somebody else. Well, I, that's great. And, and I think that people do not know what's available in their area. And you do live in the Midwest and the town you were living in uh, was rural, but next to a larger city. So what type of services were available to you? And was this early or was this in the later stages of your mom's disease?
0: It was in the later stages. I feel like my mom really was good at hiding the disease. She was a very intelligent woman. So she masked it a lot. So we didn't even get her diagnosed till she was further along. As far as the nearby city, I mean, it was 20 minutes for us to go to the support group. And it just, it really was very beneficial to us.
1: Susan, your mom must have been having symptoms probably several years before she was diagnosed. Was there any particular thing, as you look back now, that that you recognized uh, that she might have been having symptoms?
0: Yeah, the most that we probably recognized was with driving places that she'd been before she should know how to get home from. Um, It would take her longer to get home than what it should have. And she'd say, oh, I stopped to get a coffee or something, something that she would never do. So we kind of were like, well, that's kind of odd. And then when it was diagnosed, we could look back and see things of forgetting birthdays. She knew it was coming. It was on the calendar. She normally wouldn't do that, but you're just kind of like, ah, they're busy. So little things that at the time we didn't think anything about.
1: You, we've talked about your mom, you know, being so involved in your life, your sister's life, your brother's life, and all the grandchildren, even babysitting, Right. You know, at what point, you know, did that change? With me
0: being the youngest, my children were some of the youngest, especially Lainey. She is seven years younger than the last born grandchild. And so mom still kind of watched her occasionally up until she was born in 2007, up until the time that she was probably two years old, maybe three And then we kind of realized what was going on. It was getting to be too much for her and my mother-in-law who they would kind of take turns watching her. My mother-in-law then was in a position to where she could watch her full time. And it just kind of worked out that way. We kind of just smoothed our way into that per se.
1: That's, that's good. That's good um, information for people who may be in a similar circumstance. So let me just go ahead and move. Um, I mentioned, I have lots of questions I want to get to, but you know, in our conversation, um, you had said that your other children really knew your mom. She was the, the grandmother, did everything, great relationships. And Laney, being the youngest, didn't have that that same relationship that you really enjoyed for your other children. I, I know that was quite a disappointment for you and something that was probably heart-wrenching. What was that like, and, and how did you deal with that?
0: You know, I... Don't think I really realized how bad it was until my mom was in her final days. And Lainey, you know, we we were able to keep my mom at home. Lainey did not want to stay at the house with us, which was fine. Part of it was her anxiety, but part of it was she just didn't know what to do. She finally told me that I don't know grandma like Sarah and Abby do. And, you know, I got to thinking about it and it's like, well, you know what? She never really did. She didn't get the grandma that would come and cheer her on for all of her activities and take her to the store or buy her a treat or a present or, you know, just have her down and play games with her by the time Lainey was old enough to have that relationship and have those memories, my mom was already too far gone.
1: Absolutely. So people who get in the later stages of dementia can't manage relationships. They can't initiate them and, and maintain them. I know your mom was really the glue that held your family together. You have stated that in our conversations, but I, I think that, you know, families deal with things differently. And the fact that, that you uh, took account of what your youngest said to you, that she didn't know your mom. And, and, you know, it's hard to know what others don't know. But I think, you know, families need to realize that we need to support each family member where they are and in the relationship that they have, you know, with the loved one who has dementia. So, you know, speaking of that, your mom was the glue. Uh, according to you, that held your family together. And I know that this is the most stressful time in families' lives to add dementia on top of everything else that goes on in life as as we're uh, in our careers and that sort of thing. So how did that change? And who started taking over those roles that your mom obviously took on all the years you were growing up? Well,
0: for me, who took on that role was my mother-in-law. I have a wonderful mother-in-law that the Lord has blessed me with that knew my mom before the Alzheimer's, knew the type of woman that she was, knew the relationship that we had, the relationship that she had with the grandchildren. And luckily, she is that grandmother that wants to come to every activity. So things that I normally would have called and spoke to my mom about, asked my mom's opinion on, I leaned on my mother-in-law. My husband, my girls, you know, they all supported me. They supported her. And I don't know what I would have done without them.
1: Well, you know, your mother-in-law must be a wonderful woman as well. I know that your mom and her parents, right, lived in that area for a long, long time. They were known. Uh, You had lots of relatives and um, history in the particular area where you continue to live. It's great that you had that kind of support. And I think that it must have taken some steps to switch that over from your mom to your mother in law. And I think that's another topic that we could hit on. But Alzheimer's disease and other dementias are really called the long goodbye. And I dementia coach many families and have experienced dementia myself. You know, at what point and how did you deal with it? Did you realize that? Your mom, as you knew her, was no longer there with you. I think
0: that it progressed little by little, just like the disease. I would see little bits of her leaving. She'd have good days. She'd have bad days. You just never knew. It could be good moments, bad moments, good minutes, bad minutes. You just never know when that moment of clarity would come. Probably the moment for me that impacted me the most was she would get out. If she could not see my dad, she would go looking for him. And to her, her house was not her house. She wanted to know when they could go home, when she could go back home to her mom and dad. That's what she looked for. She looked for something that she knew. Luckily, I lived four houses down from them. And we lived in a neighborhood where most people knew each other. I had done up flyers with my mom's face on there. Her name, where they lived at, my name, where I lived at, contact numbers that, you know, explaining what she had, what was going on, that she would get out and to please call us. Do not think that she's trying to break into your house because she would look look in windows trying to find how to get home. And so I saw her out of my kitchen window and I went out and I'm like, you know, mom, what's going on? And she was crying. She was upset. Somebody was trying to. Um, threatening to kill her, she just wanted to go home, and so I brought her into my house. She didn't know who I was, and I said, "Well, come in. I I will not let anybody hurt you. Come in here; you're safe." And I didn't know was it my dad that was the person that she thought was trying to harm her. What happened? So she eventually told me she wanted to go home. I, of course, had my daughter, oldest daughter, call my dad in the meantime and say, "Hey." Grandma's down here. This is what's going on. And I said, well, tell him that when we get there, if she is disturbed by seeing him, I'm going to bring her back home. And so I told her on the way down there, please, if if you see him out here or if you see him anywhere, let me know and I will take you back where it's safe. We opened up the door and she saw my father, her husband, and she started bawling hysterically and said, oh, there's my daddy. Daddy, Daddy, I, I'm, I'm safe now. And she turned around and looked at me. And she says, thank you so much. You saved my life. Just to see the fear in her eyes and know how she was feeling about thinking somebody was trying to hurt her. We've come to find out it was disgruntled neighbor that cussed at her because she was walking through his yard. But just not being able to comfort her and her being that upset and that emotional, it's just it was crushing.
1: Wow. It's so heartfelt. You know, it's, it's hard not to have tears myself. What would you say to someone else who was in that situation? Obviously you were brilliant. You took brilliant steps, Susan, to keep your mom safe and to educate others around her who don't understand. I mean, let's face it. They don't understand. And, and we all think the worst, but what would you say to somebody else, another daughter, or a son or a daughter-in-law who, who is looking at that same person. I mean, this is your family member. This is someone you ought to be able to help. And sometimes they're so far and so distant that you can't, you know, you're not even sure you can keep them safe, right? What would you say to them?
0: You have to live in their world. It's not your world anymore. It's their world. And trying to correct them, trying to tell them that they're wrong, That is only going to get them more frustrated and cause them more anxiety. If they say it's raining dogs outside, it's raining dogs outside. You go along with it. And I didn't think anybody was out to kill her, but that's how she felt. And it was true terror. She really felt that. So I would just say, go along with it. Do whatever you can to comfort her. If somebody was truly going through that scenario, what would you do? And then you do that for that person.
1: We call that validation, right? That we need to validate how they're feeling, stepping into their world, providing validation and a sense of security. People who have dementia can have fears, paranoia, hallucinations. I mean, it's real to them. And throughout the day. They can really go through a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, and a lot of fear. So validating and reassuring someone uh, or your loved one who has dementia can be very, very beneficial and go a long way. Susan, did your mom have patterns of behavior or was there a certain pace that she went through a change or decline or a lot of people will do the same things every day or repeat that scenario for months on end. Did your mom have that kind of pattern or did it change day to day, week to week?
0: It really changed day to day, week to week. Like I said, she would have good days. She would have bad days. There'd be days that she would get herself dressed and she would look fine there'd be days that she'd get herself dressed and she'd have seven pairs of socks on and my dad's shoes. You just, you just never knew.
1: Susan, you were what we call the sandwich generation. So during this time, this course of illness that your mom went through, which was several years with several different layers of needs she had, you were the sandwich generation. You were married, you were raising three daughters of your own. You, you were a wife, uh, a mother, And a career person, you had your own career. How did you balance that? And what do you tell the sandwich generation who's feeling guilty about not being able to do what they think they should? Or how do you balance life and now becoming, you know, a parent to your parents?
0: I would say that first and foremost, it took me a while to understand that it's okay to be angry with the situation. It's okay to be mad. It's okay to be upset. I had those feelings and I felt guilty about it. I felt guilty that this is my mom. But you got to look at it from your standpoint too, that yes, it's your parent or your loved one, your husband, whatever that's going through it, but it's affecting you as well. And if you don't pay attention to those feelings and you don't allow yourself to have that time and have those feelings, then it's just going to just be one on top of the other, on top of the other until you explode. So there would be times I would come home, just sit in my car, not even going in house. I just sat in my car and cry until I came in to where my kids were. I can compose myself and come back in. My husband was great for me to talk to. And as we said before, the, the support group that we went to, they were a godsend to us to just hear other people's stories, hear what their loved one's going through how they dealt with it, what they tried that worked, what they tried that didn't work. When we got to that point and reached out and got that information, it was so much easier. It's still
1: hard, but it was so much easier. Absolutely. So, you know, I know Susan would advise you and I certainly advise you, um, you need to get involved in a support group as quickly as possible in your area. If there is not one accessible to you in your area, there are online support groups. The Alzheimer's Association in your area or nationally has a 24-hour hotline. And we cannot recommend enough that you get involved, that you hear other people's stories. It's really, really going to be helpful to you. So Susan, you struggle with something else. And I know... You were the baby of the family. You lived close, closer than your siblings did, but you were the baby and I'm the baby too. And that means something. Uh, The order that we are in the family, it it, it changes everything and we know that. But you struggled with telling the little white lie, with stretching the truth with your mom. Tell us about that and how you overcame that. When
0: we got into the support group, that topic came up and they said, this is the one time in your life where we're telling you that it's okay to lie to your family member. And that's one thing with my mom that she'd always instilled in us is that she'd rather us tell her the truth and we would figure it out. But if she found out that we were lying, then things were going to be worse. And that was just something that we weren't supposed to do. You know, she didn't like a liar. So when they got to that point to tell us that, and we heard examples of like what they were talking about, it really was beneficial to us because mom didn't want to take showers. She did not want to get cleaned up. And I would go down there to do that. And she'd be like, oh, no, I don't need to get cleaned up. So I'd lie to her. And I'd say, well, no, you have to because we're going to get pictures taken later on. And the girls are going to come down and I'm going to do your hair. So your hair looks pretty for the pictures. Then she would be fine. And she would get in. We didn't have the fight of, no, mom, you stink. You need to get in the shower. It gave her a reason that she wanted to do it. Once we figured out that that's something we could do and we didn't have to feel guilty about it, it really helped in getting her to do things. And so we would just get our cell phone out, take a few pictures when we were, you know, the kids got there and it was done.
1: Absolutely. That's a, that's a great story and great advice. Susan, you are one of three children. Uh, you lived close and you are the baby. Was there ever any sibling rivalry, which can be very common in families in general, but especially when a loved one develops dementia, were you in agreement? Were there ever any times that you disagreed? And how'd you work through that as a family?
0: Well, the one thing that I can really come to my mind right now is my sister lived the furthest away. My brother and sister, all their kids were grown. They weren't raising any more kids. My brother would not contact us and say, Hey, what do you guys need me to do? Just let me know. What do you need me to do? Or he wouldn't call my dad and say, Hey, I'm not doing anything on such and such a night. How about I come over and sit with mom and you go out to eat with Susan or the whatever. My sister and I, even though she lived the furthest away, were both pretty good about communicating with each other. Hey, I'm going to go. I'll be at mom and dad's on Tuesday. I'll give mom a shower. She'd go on Thursday, text me. Or if, if she happened to pop into town for some reason and she was there, she'd say, hey, I was in town. So I went ahead and gave mom a shower. And we had that. And then when mom was at the end and we were going over everything, with hospice on what was going on my brother was very angry about a DNR and he didn't think that that should be in there and we had to tell him that that's what she wanted she's she's not going to be cured of this disease at this time and he was really hurt by that and very upset and didn't understand why we agreed to it but Mom had conveyed those wishes to us and she'd had it in writing before the disease. That was something that my parents had in writing. So I would say anything is, you have to have the communication. You have to have the hard talks. If my brother, if I called him and I said, hey, I need you to come out on Tuesday if you're available to give dad a break, he would do it. So if they're not stepping up, Call them and ask them. Maybe they just don't know where their place is or what's the right thing
1: to do. Absolutely. That's really good advice. Uh, Not everyone uh, is a caregiver and not everyone knows what to do. So uh, there are a lot of good tips on, on advising people what you could do or what would bring some relief. Also, for those who've been diagnosed or family members of people who have recently been diagnosed. Be sure that you talk about these topics early on. They can be emotional for some family members who really don't want to make those decisions or don't want to have that discussion. And when you make your wishes clear, it makes it so much easier on the family uh, when that time comes. So Susan, I know that, you know, your mom had dementia, your grandmother, her mother, had dementia and you had an uncle that had dementia. I know that we've talked about this and it's something that people feel and and you feel talk about any fears that, that you have about dementia and you know what you plan to do about it for your own personal life and for the sake of your children.
0: I'm scared. Anytime I forget something, I think to myself, is this, is this, is this the beginning? Uh, My mom was 73 when she passed. I think that she probably had it for 10 years before she passed. So when she was 63, I'll be 51 in January. So the fear is there. I do know or have heard that there's some testing that can be done if it is the familial Alzheimer's. At this time, that's not something that I want to do, but I'm keeping that in my back pocket. There's so many different things out there I know I had read an article about aspartame and how that could be linked to it. I immediately quit. I was a go to the store, get the diet vanilla Coke fountain drink with the good ice. One a day, one every couple of days. I completely quit all sodas. I quit all artificial sweeteners. You just kind of have to do what you think is going to be best for you that's going to help. And I still constantly look at all the reports of the studies that they're doing with Alzheimer's and where they think things could help. And we tried some of that stuff with my mom. I don't know whether it really helped or whether we just thought it did, but think about it. If you, if you have several family members, there could be a link there. And I think there is in ours. My mother, like I said, passed at 73, her older brother, she was the middle child, her older brother passed at 76. But they only passed 13 months apart. And we really saw part of it with him and kind of knew a little bit what we were getting into. And then she progressed much faster than he did.
1: Well, Susan, um, first off, I want to thank you for being on the podcast today. And I want to honor your mother. Her name was Beth Ann. I want to honor your mother today and her legacy in your life and the fact that you have shared today uh, your story as so many need to hear not only your story but to tell their story and have a chance to have a conversation so is there one question maybe today that i didn't ask that you wish i would have asked or is there something special that you want people to know about being a daughter or being a family member going through dementia?
0: Don't think that just because your loved one doesn't recognize you when you come to visit, that you're not still helping them and that you still can't get something from them. As an example, when my dad would work in the garage, my mother would sit in a lawn chair and watch the kids in the neighborhood. And I walked down there one day and pulled up a chair and started talking to her. And she asked me what my name was and I started to sink and think, Oh my goodness, here it is. She's again, she doesn't know who I am. And I started to get real sad and I told her my name was Susan. And she said, Oh, I have a daughter named Susan. And so I kind of chuckled to myself. I said, you do. And we had a kind of, um, sassy back and forth relationship sometimes and in a good way. (laughs) And, I said, well, boy, she must be a really good girl. And she says, you know, she is. And she sat and talked about me for 15, 20 minutes, telling stories, talking about going to college and what a good girl I was. And it just helped me to see myself through her eyes and have that connection with her. So you never know what conversation you might have with them or what will spark that, that you still can get that love from your loved one just in a different
1: way. Wow. Thank you for telling that story. That's something I don't think that will ever leave you. And now that it's recorded in the podcast, it will be around for your children and your grandchildren. Thank you for sharing your story today, Susan, and celebrating your mom, Beth Ann. I hope someone listening in the audience today has heard something today in the podcast that they can connect with. Something that will help you now or in the future, both personally and for your loved ones. So until next time on our next podcast, make it a memorable day.
0: Thank you for joining us for the Disappearing Mind podcast. We hope it's helped you find clarity and support along your journey. Be sure to subscribe to never miss an episode. Visit our website to suggest future topics and share the podcast with friends and family.